I want to share a chili recipe with you guys. Um, I was up, well, I started cooking early today because I was going to go into Birmingham uh, to go to the art museum there. And I'll tell you about that in a little bit. But I want to share this chili recipe with you. Uh, so I wanted to get it on before I headed out because it takes a couple hours to, to cook. Uh, after, and that's after the preparation bit. So it's about 30 minutes of prep time, about two and a half hours of a slow cook. So I had to get it on before I headed out. But let me let me share the chili recipe with you. So, um, as, and I, I can't believe how tired I was making this stuff. It's just so many different ingredients is why it um, t- took so long. And uh, and it's based off of a recipe called Boilermaker Tailgate Chili. So, um, you know, my U.S. fans, you'll be familiar. Will You know, the tailgate business is our gig for footballs. Uh, games and the like and yeah this would be a great meal for that but actually it's a good dinner as well so but it's called boiler maker tailgate chili and i've added a little bit of a twist to that so i've added some stuff on top of what the normal recipe calls for so let me just give you a feel for the recipe and i can put this in the um, notes section if you want um, to have it and make it easier for you Anyway, it's uh, two pounds of uh, ground beef chuck and a pound of ground beef or mince, as we say in the UK. You need a pound of bulk Italian sausages, three cans of chili beans, one can of chili beans and spicy sauce, two cans of diced, diced, diced tomatoes with the juice, one can of tomato paste, one large yellow onion chopped, three stalks of celery chopped, one green pepper seeded and chopped, one red pepper seeded and chopped, two green chili peppers seeded and chopped, one tablespoon of bacon bits, four cubes of beef bouillon, half a cup of beer, and I used dark beer, so I used Guinness, a quarter cup of chili powder, one teaspoon of Worcestershire sauce, one tablespoon of minced garlic, one tablespoon of dried oregano, two teaspoons of ground cumin, two teaspoons of hot pepper sauce or Tabasco, and one teaspoon of dried basil, one teaspoon of salt, one teaspoon of ground black pepper, one teaspoon of cyan pepper, one teaspoon of paprika, one teaspoon of white sugar, and then if you want to put this stuff on the top after it's cooked, you can have a bag of corn chips, which you'll crunch up and put on the top, as well as some shredded cheese. So, whew, doesn't that sound like a lot, isn't it? It's a totally, totally awesome dish. Um, essentially, uh, you brown all the meat and then pour everything, mix it all together after that, and then you let it cook for for two hours. And, uh, yeah, I did I did two things, and it's, it tastes... Um, we can cook it in a crock pot if you have a crock pot. So I did it in both because it was so much chili that my pot wasn't big enough. So I put half, then I cooked on the stove, and the other half cooked in the crock pot. And they both taste super fantastic. So yeah, have a go with it. And um, yeah, cool. <laughs> and so I did that um, early so that I could then head out to... Uh, Bee Ham, the big Bee Ham, because I've been reading this book called uh, Embracing the Ordinary by Michael Foley. 
and it's lessons from champions of everyday life. And it's kind of got me really fired up. You know, we, I don't know, sometimes, you, you know, you can get sort of caught up in high ideas and we're just striving for things to be extraordinary and the, and the, and the ordinary seems to be um, looked down upon or everybody's looking for something sensation to sensationalize stuff. And we can get caught up in that. And this is about celebrating the absolute ordinary uh, things that uh, that seem that we might label boring, but actually, if you learn to actually experience them with the right kind of eyes, and um, they're actually extraordinary. So, great book so far. I'm only on like chapter sort of what chapter am I? I'm on like chapter seven now. But the chapter that got me inspired to go to the art museum was chapter two the high priest of low low life and in it basically in the, at least the beginning of the chapter he was talking about the fact that um that you know painting and art at a period in time after the fall of the roman empire um stopped focusing well the, ch- the church discouraged celebrating everyday life basically so for a thousand years you know most things were pointed towards you know the pictures and things often you know feature angels and high majestic kind of stuff and it wasn't till after the renaissance that the commonplace started to infiltrate even the religious religious paintings and then beyond that painters in holland and this is where where i was going to the museum to see the painters in holland took the hint and I'm going to just read a quote you from here so painters in Holland took the hint and abandoned not only religious subjects but also historical military classical themes to concentrate instead on the profane glory of everyday life and in so doing ushered in the Dutch golden age and that's what I was interested in going to check out at the museum because it guess got me excited the painting suddenly had the audacity to declare that peeling turnips was an inspiration and that um, you know looking at everyday scenes of of life uh, a woman delousing a little girl's hair um, you know painting the butchers or tidy in the kitchen you know those kind of everyday things that we do uh, these Dutch masters here took took the liberty to start painting that and everyday things became could be turned into masterpieces and there's a sublimeness to channeling art into the everyday thing so off to Birmingham I went and it was a cool day out actually it was quite busy out uh decent enough weather went up to and um and if you haven't been to the Birmingham Museum and Art Gallery awesome awesome museum dig it. it's a ton of stuff that to see there but I, I went there with just the express purpose of uh of just to go and see some of the paintings from this dutch age and i was slightly disappointed only in the sense that um i was hoping to see more but there was only just a few paintings uh, that would fit the bill there was a painting let me just find it here um there was only yeah there was only a couple there was one called preparation for a feast um and essentially yeah preparations for a feast and it was a kitchen scene which was quite cool it's a kitchen scene and and then the other one by a painter um or 
Where is it at? Where did it go? Where did it go? Here we go. Ah, oh, yes, this one by uh, Wilhelm van Hip. Herp, the blind fiddler. And I like that one. It was oil on panel, and it was a, pic a depiction of a uh, a fiddler who's staring um, just kind of out into the distance. He's got unkept dress on, and um, yeah, he's just he looks like a, a slob basically. <laughs> and I'm just looking at the picture now. He's playing. He's playing his little his fiddle. He's got a yard of beer, um, tobacco, and he's got a ton of just junk strewn on the floor beneath his feet and he's just staring vacantly out and there's another dude that's standing behind him holding uh, a pint and looking at the pint as if it was um, speaking to him so he looks mesmerized or amazed by this pint um, but that was essentially I guess the well yeah well that was the only two paintings that were of the low life scenes as they call it so this uh, van Herp was a Antwerp painter of modern low life scenes as they call it and so I guess in terms of checking out more the Dutch golden age it wasn't as much as I would have wanted but it was good to see the ones that I see, saw um, but if you are interested in at all in art there's loads at the Birmingham Museum and Art Gallery. So check it out if you're in the area. And of course, because I was in Birmingham, um, there's an Apple store there. I had to slide on into the Apple shop and have a look at, or actually it was more to have, not just a look, but to feel and touch and hold the iPhone 6 and the iPhone 6 Plus. Because I keep going back and forth whether I would want the iPhone 6 or the 6 Plus. Um, at any given moment, I can be on one side or the other. I think having... So when I picked up the iPhone 6 Plus, and I'm only just really concerned about, I guess, the size, really, and would it still fit in my pocket, and how comfortable is it to handle with one hand? Because I have a big hand, it actually... I could actually manage it with one hand pretty much. Um, but I'm just thinking of some of my outdoor photography and things that, that I do. Would I still be as um, agile with the phone that big? And so I'm kind of leaning now towards the 6 because it's, well, you know, it got more screen real estate from the 5 and it's thinner and, you know, easily controlling that with the one hand i think the only thing that makes me think about the six plus would be some of the other things that you know all the sort of social media time spent on that and some of the reading and um and, and doing the emails and stuff like that and it would you know kind of lend itself to um yeah lend itself to you know having a bigger screen for doing those sorts of things um, but I think on the whole, like right now, if I was to buy it right this second, I would probably be iPhone 6. But that could change by the time I finish recording this podcast. If if you have a view on that, I'd be interested to know if you're iPhone. Only if you're an iPhone fan. I don't want to hear if you hate iPhones and I don't want to know about galaxies or any other thing. I'm just, if you're an iPhone fan um, and you're trying to make that decision or already made that decision between the 6 or the 6 Plus, uh, be interested to hear 
your thoughts on that. And now it is like Saturday evening, isn't it? So it is time to um, do stuff that you do on Saturday evenings. I'll probably watch a movie. I got um, the punk singer that I've been eyeing up to watch. I think I might check that out. Anyway, folks, have a good rest of your Saturday, and uh, we'll catch you again tomorrow. Peace out.